engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Holy moly. Wow. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Nine after the hour. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I think I just need to invite you all out to the battery tonight and... Uh, we'll just go have a few beers and, and I'll, I'll give you the real gossip that you just can't even, even say in public, except I, I can't tonight. We'll have to do it another night, but it would be fun. Wouldn't it? Let's all get together up at the, at the brave stadium and have a beer and, and well, I'll tell you what I know, but I'll tell you some of what I know right now. My goodness. I called several different people at the white house, including a very dear longtime friend of mine. And the only reaction I can give you is shell shock. Now, if you didn't hear from Chris Chandler, the reason for the 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 shell shocked nature of the White House right now is because one of them, someone inside the White House, a senior official, has written an op-ed in the New York Times that is anonymous. And the New York Times does not do that. You do need to understand the gravity and significance of this. The New York Times, you may hate them. I don't like them. They are liberal. But they do not allow people to publish anonymous op-eds. And they have today. A senior administration official. And in New York Times parlance, that means something. Um, you're not going to get a, a junior deputy assistant cabinet secretary uh, labeled senior administration official. A senior administration official is cabinet level, executive office of the president level, or vice presidential level, vice presidential staff level. It is significant. I mean, you're talking chief of staff. You're talking counselor to the president. You're talking cabinet secretary. Uh, you're talking uh, economic advisor, vice president, vice presidential uh, senior staff. This is a big deal. That This is in the New York Times. And, and what this person in the New York Times says is that on a daily basis, the White House staff work to undermine the president of the United States to advance conservatism, that the president is not fundamentally conservative. His impulses are not conservative. His impulses are not towards free people, free markets and free minds, as this person knows they're Milton Freeman. It is it is towards uh, anti-trade. It is towards capitulating on the world stage. It is pro-Russia. Uh, it is a, basically the president doesn't know what he's doing. He's out of his league and the cabinet has seriously thought about invoking the 25th amendment. That is big news. That is huge news. Now it, here's the one thing, your impulse, because I know y'all, your impulse is going to be that this is the deep state trying to take out the president, that this is proof of a coup all of that. It, it, that is, that's cheap seats punditry. And I need to tell you that because you're going to hear this in the next 24 hours. You're going to hear a lot of, lot of uh, hot air about how this is a deep state coup and they're trying to take out the president. That's cheap seats punditry. I mean, that, that is what the cheap seats tell you. That, that is the, the unthoughtful uh, review of this. What is actually going on here? is that some member of this White House is trying to rehabilitate their image. My guess is that this is someone who went to the John McCain funeral or one of the memorial services for John McCain 
and did not like his treatment. And yes, I think it's a him. I don't think it's a her. They do not like the treatment they received at one of the John McCain services. With the Woodward book coming out, they feel like they're going to be exposed anyway, so they might as well come out, but they were too chicken to put their name on it. What really would have had an impact is if they came out and said, this is me, and I resign, and here's why. But they didn't want to do that. But, 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 here's the problem. This is the significant major problem. Forget the whole deep state coup nonsense you're going to hear from the cheap seats and the hecklers. Here's the problem with this. It was better left unsaid. Y'all, the president already believes there are people in the White House working to undermine him. The president believes the deep state coup theory because he hears Sean Hannity talking about it on TV. The president believes this stuff. Many of you believe this stuff. But I'm willing to bet that, uh, by and large, with most of you official, uh, most of you, I, I probably know more people who work in the White House. Many of these people are longtime friends of mine, and these are good people, and they genuinely do take the position that they are steering the president as best they can through his worst impulses to get him to do the right thing. They really believe that. For this to be put in the New York Times concurrent to Bob Woodward's book coming out, all it's going to do is increase the president's paranoia to DEFCON 1. It was better left unsaid. If this is really the situation in the White House, I mean, let's, let's just, let's treat this. And I know many of you will want to dismiss it. You'll claim it's a liberal, it's an Obama holdover. It's, it's an insignificant person. And I know enough about the processes of getting these things in the New York times. And I've talked to enough people in the White House that everything this person says, uh, yeah, rings true. That there are people in the White House who really believe they are protecting the president from himself and they are protecting the country from the president's worst impulses. The very worst thing you could do is put this in the New York Times. The reason you don't put this in the New York Times is because the New York Times is the only newspaper in America Donald Trump pays attention to. He reads the gossip section of the New York Post. He loves the New York Post. But for actual substantive news and analysis, the president actually really likes the New York Times. He may bash them on Twitter, but the president loves the New York Times. I have met President Trump Several times, I have been to President Trump's office before he was elected. I sat with President Trump in his office uh, in Trump Tower and interviewed him back several years ago. Spent a, more than an hour with him. Uh, we talked about airplanes. We talked about his business. We talked about a book that had come out. The president mentioned the New York Times. He had read something about me in the New York Times. The president likes the New York Times. I have had multiple conversations with the president over the years before he was president, and the New York Times came up in every single one of those conversations. This president pays attention to the New York Times. So if you really believe that you are trying to protect the president from his worst impulses and protect the country from the president's worst impulses, the absolute worst thing you could do is run off to the New York Times and admit it. 
because now the president's paranoia is going to be off the charts. Now the president's not going to listen to anybody. He's already worried about the Woodward book coming out. The Woodward book it was enough to put him to DEFCON 2. Now they're at DEFCON 1. With DEFCON 2 and the Woodward book, the reason the president, he, he can go on Twitter and say this is all fiction. Today he used the word fiction seven times to refer to Bob Woodward's book. That's all well and good, folks. The problem is that Bob Woodward recorded the conversations. General Mattis and General Kelly can come out and deny what they said. But I got to tell you, I've talked to people who work for General Mattis and General Kelly. They've been telling me the same stories for a long time. I know other people who work with them who have heard the same stories. Mattis and Kelly may not have talked, but their secretaries, their assistants, they might be the ones to have talked to Woodward with their boss's permission. So the president's already paranoid about the Woodward thing and he could dismiss it. But here comes the New York Times that the president, despite what he says on Twitter, thinks is the only newspaper on planet Earth that matters. And it is running an op-ed from an anonymous senior Trump official. That means something significant to the president. This is someone the president interacts with on a daily basis. It's someone who is familiar with the national security decisions of this president. And it's a current White House employee. So it can't be Gary Kahn or some of the other people who have left. It can't be a Rob Porter. It's someone who's there right now. If you really want to protect the president from his worst impulses, you keep doing what you're doing, but you don't write about it in the New York Times. This is the worst possible thing someone who really believes they're helping the country could have done. What it suggests to me is that Concurrent with the Bob Woodward book coming out, there is no coincidence here. The timing is not coincidental. There is a group of people inside this White House who are operating on a theory of what they need to do to save the country, and it is to undermine the president. Why? It is 27 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, I got to read you a key paragraph here uh, for my prevailing theory on why this op-ed has come out 60 days before the election. Uh, here's key key paragraph. Given the instability many witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. But no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis, so we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until, one way or another, it's over. Key paragraph here. So first of all, first thing to take away from here is that this is someone who's been there from day one. Day one, because this is when... They started early whispers within the cabinet. Here's what's going on here. Under the 25th Amendment, and I realize there is a lot of resistance fan fiction. Under the 25th Amendment, if the if the people were to, um, if the cabinet was to remove the president, the president would signal Congress that he's okay to resume duties, and you would have to have two-thirds of both houses of Congress refuse him. You're not going to get two-thirds of the House of Representatives or two-thirds of the Senate to agree with a duly elected president. So with the Woodward book and what with this, what you got to do is you got to start building a case to help the Democrats take back Congress, to at least take back the House, 
because under impeachment, you only need a majority in the House to begin impeachment proceedings. Wow, as Chris Chandler mentioned, we've got a statement from the White House. It is an official statement from the White House, uh, and it is a pretty hard-hitting statement. I'm going to read you what Sarah Sanders has released uh, regarding this New York Times op-ed. Nearly 62 million people voted for President Donald J. Trump in 2016, earning him 306 Electoral College votes versus 232 for his opponent. None of them voted for a gutless anonymous source to the failing New York Times. We are disappointed, but not surprised, that the paper chose to publish this pathetic, reckless, and selfish op-ed. This is a new low for the so-called paper of record, and it should issue an apology, just as it did after the election, for its disastrous coverage of the Trump campaign. This is just another example of the liberal media's concerted effort to discredit the president. President Trump has laid out a bold and ambitious agenda. Every day since taking office, he has fulfilled the promises he made. His accomplishments in less than two years have been astounding. The individual between this piece has chosen to deceive rather than support the duly elected president of the United States. He is not putting country first, but putting himself and his ego ahead of the will of the American people. The coward should do the right thing and resign. Many of you nodding your head. But let's just acknowledge whoever this person is, is not going to resign. They're going to be there. This situation is going to fester. And let's go back to my theory here. I think, let let dwell, this is my two-part theory. The person says that the cabinet early on thought about invoking the 25th Amendment. Well, you can't invoke the 25th Amendment. I realize that uh, liberals are, they have this pipe dream that the 25th Amendment is going to save us and remove the president somehow. You got to have two-thirds of both houses of Congress to remove the president under the 25th Amendment. But then there's this conclusion. Let me read you this conclusion from this this op-ed. Senator John McCain put it best in his farewell letter, all Americans should heed his words and break free of the tribalism trap with the high aim of uniting through our shared values and love of this country. Next paragraph. We may no longer have Senator McCain, but we will always have his example, a lodestar for restoring honor to public life in our national dialogue. By the way, uh, several reporters have pointed out that in Mike Pence's eulogy of Senator McCain, he used the word lodestar. In fact, Mike Pence has used the word lodestar in many of his public writings and speeches. And so people are saying, hmm, is this Vice President Pence? Because he can't be fired. Hmm. Nonetheless, uh, that speculation, I, I, my first thought was General Kelly. A friend of mine swears it's General Kelly. But nonetheless, so you've got these, you've got first the 25th Amendment, and then you got the McCain stuff. Okay, so here's my theory. The, interesting that the several references to McCain in this. This is someone who participated in the ceremonies honoring John McCain, did not like the way they were treated by people because this person works for the president, and decided that they wanted to bear their soul in the New York Times. Not to help the country, because this doesn't help the country. This op-ed doesn't help the country because it drives up the president's paranoia and makes it less likely that if what this person in the Bob Woodward book say are happening in the White House makes it less likely people can curb the president's bad behaviors. But what it does is, in this person's mind, probably begins to rehabilitate them and ingratiate them 
with all the so-called right people again. But also that 25th Amendment statement. You need two-thirds of both houses of Congress to remove the president unless you impeach him. So between the Woodward book and this, I wonder if this person wants the Democrats to take back the House. They want the Democrats in the House because then you only need a majority vote for impeachment. And there are rumors circulating fast and furious in the Senate that Senate Republicans are bitterly upset with President Trump. It hasn't boiled to the surface, but over his treatment of John McCain, his treatment of Jeff Sessions, uh, the trade situation, that you got Republicans who are bitterly upset with the president. You need two-thirds. You need two-thirds of the Senate to vote for impeachment. But if you have all the Democrats in place, you only need about 16 Republicans. You only need about 16 Republicans to vote with all the Democrats in the Senate. Worst case scenario, you need 20. You need 20 Republicans. Are there 20 Republicans? If you only need a majority in the House, you only need about 20, 15 to 20 Republicans in the Senate to go along with the Democrats. Could this person have concluded that the election is upon us? There are no more major decisions coming down the pike from the White House because we're headed into an election season. So release this, raise the red flags, hope that some Republicans stay home, hope that a lot of Democrats go vote, put the Democrats in charge of the House, and you can't do the 25th, but you can do impeachment. Is that what this is about? Because I got to tell you, what this person is saying in the New York Times, it's what I hear from people behind the scenes in the White House and have heard forever, and you know it's true too. You, you, you know it's true. All of the stories that come out of this White House are too consistent for it not to be true. But saying it publicly is only going to destabilize the situation. So the only reason that you come out and destabilize the situation is if you think you can advance impeachment. You don't want to say it because you don't want to be viewed as a traitor, but that's what you're doing. You're trying to undermine the president and push for impeachment. That's my theory as to why this is coming out now and what this person is trying to accomplish. It's 55 after the hour. Ryan from Ponca City, Oklahoma, who listens on the WSP radio app, uh, he pinged me um, by email, wanted to know who I think wrote this. Uh, I got to tell you, my very first reaction was Kelly. I don't think it's Mattis because Mattis doesn't do op-eds and it didn't contain death threats, threats to send someone to Afghanistan or F-bombs, so I doubt it was Mattis. Uh, General Kelly, honestly, that he was my very first person, but I think that's too obvious. Um, my, my other thought was that it was Pence and I just don't think it really was Pence. I, I don't know. I assure you there is a mass hunt in the white house right now to find out who pinned this op-ed. Uh, when we come back though, we got to move on to the other news of the day. We got a lot of people on hold who want to talk about this as well. I want to get to their phone calls. Uh, Marco Rubio though had a very interesting encounter. I, I you had the alt-right trying to disrupt the 
Twitter or Facebook hearing, and you had the progressive activists disrupting the Kavanaugh hearing again today. The Democrats finally pulled the trick out. I, I mentioned yesterday they tried to pull Rule 26. McConnell wound up uh, adjourning the Senate so that the committee could continue to meet after 2 o'clock today when Chuck Schumer tried it. The Kavanaugh hearing is probably going to go late into the night tonight as they try to wrap that up this week. There's no stopping Kavanaugh. Uh, by the end of this month, he will be a Supreme Court justice and Merrick Garland still will not be. When we come back, though, uh, Rubio and this nut job encounter where Rubio threatened to beat the nut job protester up. You got to listen to the audio. It's fantastic. We'll take your calls as well on this Trump op-ed. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, my apologies to those of you who have been on the phones. I will get to you. I promise it is one of those days. Um, the, the clock is not working with us. There's so much news, but I'll get to you. Uh, a real quick update on uh, Officer Cooper in Covington. Uh, he is recovering now. He is out of surgery. Matt Cooper um, had to. They had to go in and relieve some pressure. Um, he is recovering. I will. I pushed out last night a, a help page on how you can help the family. I will during the next commercial break try to do a a text message thing where you can just text and I'll send back the link for you so that you can keep updated on him. I want to move on from this op-ed. The guessing game is running rampant, and I got to imagine by the end of the week we'll have a sense of who ran this op-ed in the New York Times. I just don't believe that the people at the New York Times will be able to keep their mouth shut on this. Um, but so I've been really torn on this. A friend of mine is listening and very much wanted me to cover this. And I'm, I just, I hate bringing attention to malevolent souls. So, so let me just put it to you this way. There, there is a, uh, there's a, there's a former talk show host, liberal talk show host in Austin, Texas, who learned that he could make money off of gullible people by pretending to be a conservative. He, he had a, a public uh, access TV show where he was a off-the-rails liberal and then decided he could make money off of conservatives by peddling conspiracy theories. And this guy is largely because of his own malfeasance, um, let's call him malicious bones, malice bones. Um, he decided to start attacking people by name, including claiming that the dead children at Sandy Hook were actually crisis actors and some of their parents were as well. And now he's being sued and he's been taken off of social media. Listen, um, you can say that I, I do believe that particularly Twitter is malicious towards conservatives, but I, I don't think you really can give a legitimate platform to someone who looks at the dead bodies of children laying on a ground, having bled out and said, these are crisis actors and looked at the families of the victims and said, these aren't real victims. They're paid actors. I, I, I don't 
think any of us need to give this person any sort of legitimacy as much as I have free speech concerns. But but this person did that. Uh, he's been sued now by the families. And so they're having hearings on Capitol Hill today with Google, Facebook and Twitter. Google didn't show up. Facebook and Twitter did. And this guy showed up uh, along with another loony protester. And I, I got to play for you what happened to the loony protester. But before I do, we'll call this guy Malice Bones. He tried to ambush Marco Rubio, who was having none of it. Listen to this nonsense. Um, it, it, hang on a second. Let me get this fired back up right. Sorry, I was listening to it and then disconnected the plug. So now I got to having set that up. I've screwed up my own audio, haven't I? That's OK. It's a quick fix. Well, so I he, think the bigger bias is against freedom of expression. Everybody should be. There's a. There's a. Look, I, I support here. going it's after. It's happening here, but you say I don't exist. Is that a heckler or a press gaggle? Look at this guy. The, He's saying that I don't exist, and they're I just don't know who you are, man. They, I don't read your sure, websites. Sure, and they demonize so me, me in these well, very here, hearings, here, the qu- and then he plays dumb. Here's the question: Infowars. Do you, do you, you know think that does, does Google, does Facebook, does That's Twitter, do they need to be regulated? Like, like, do they need to be regulated? Marco Rubio, the snake. Little frat boy here. All right, man. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah, sure. I swear to God, I'm not. You better hope you get deplatforming. Tens of millions of views. Infowars. Bigger than Rush Limbaugh. He knows who InfoWars well, is. Play this joke. Bigger than Rush Limbaugh. Liar. But here's a question. Wait, don't touch me again, man. I'm asking you not to touch me. Well, sure, I'll just badge you nicely. I know, but I don't want to be... I don't know, oh, you you, to get I don't know who you are. It's not just You're not going to get arrested, Amendment. man. You're it's not going to get arrested. I'll take care of myself. Oh. Ruby has read so much guy. He's like, oh, you're threatening to beat me up? And Ruby's like, I'm just telling you, I'm going to take care of it. We're not getting arrested. Okay. That right there should show you that the juvenile antics of this attention seeker First of all, to claim that he's bigger and better, higher profile than Rush Limbaugh, which isn't true. I mean, he, he's not only a conspiracy theorist, he's a liar in general. Uh, and Rubio, I think, handled that great. Hey, Rubio, by the way, I, I know Marco. Uh, Marco didn't have any idea who Alex Jones was. That that's Alex Jones and InfoWars isn't his thing. Uh, it, it really is a, a presumptuous jerk to think that everybody should know who he is. Uh, you know, he's gone after Bortz in the past as well. The guy's just a, a terrible person, and he, he's getting his just desserts. Uh, when you go around accusing uh, dead children of being paid actors, uh, this is the sort of thing that happens to you. I really don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy. By the way, uh, so while, while Malice Bones was doing this to Marco Rubio, uh, this other crazy person who's, who's an alt-right activist who accuses people of all sorts of nonsense— Uh, particularly goes after conservatives, uh, tried to disrupt the hearing with Twitter. Well, what this protester didn't count on is Representative Billy Long of Missouri, who is an auctioneer. And Billy Long, who is not the chairman of the committee, but a ranking member on the committee, was having none of it. Billy Long was not having this woman disrupting the the committee hearing. He's an auctioneer. Listen to this audio. Um, this is from the hearing in the House with Jack Dorsey. Order. We'll have order in the hearing room or you'll be asked to leave. You'll... Ma'am, if you'll please take a seat or we'll have to have you, then you'll need to relieve. Donald Trump, help us. Please help us, Mr. President, before it is too late, because Jack Dorsey is trying to influence the election, huh? to sway the election. What's she saying? I can't Democrats understand her. What? Yield the election. 
What's she? I don't know how many down. Twelve and a half, fifteen, seven and a half, twenty dollar, two and a half, five, seven and a half, thirty. Hit thirty dollar down here, two and a half, five, thirty five, seven and a half, forty. Hit forty dollar, two and a half, five, five, forty five, seven and a half, fifty. Hit fifty dollar down here, two and a half, Officer, will you escort this young lady out, please? Hit two and a half now, five, sixty five, seven and a half, seventy. Up to it, I have now five, seven, five, seven, and a half, eighty dollar to five, eighty five, ninety. Eight hundred dollar and a ten, 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 a quarter, one, a quarter, one, a half, and a five, two, 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 and a quarter. It, two, and a half, and a five, three, equal to bomb, three hundred. It, three and a quarter. Cut, three and a quarter now, half, half, three and a half, and a five, four hundred. Yeah, but a four, four and a quarter, four and a half. We're selling the cell phone there, four and a quarter, four and a half. Hit four and a half, four, seven, five, five hundred, five, five and a quarter, five and a half. I yield back. <laughs> Somehow I think our auctioneer and resident's going to get tweeted about today. Yeah, Billy Long from Missouri, congressman from Missouri, Republican congressman, he was a professional auctioneer, and he wasn't having this this nut uh, shout over the chairman and the witnesses, and so he turned on his microphone and drowned her out so no one could hear what she was saying. <laughs> it, was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, you know... I realize there are a lot of people who think that that people on the right need to stoop to the level of people on the left. Uh, and, and I don't think that's the case. Our ways aren't their ways. And these protesters, the, the guy trying to uh, bully Marco Rubio and shout down Marco Rubio while he was having press availability, this, this protester, um, just absolutely ridiculous. Meanwhile... In the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, you got more protesters trying to disrupt the hearing, and Chuck Grassley had enough of it today. I, when I was a uh, uh, became a judge on the D.C. Circuit, I had a case called Hamdan versus United States. Who's Hamdan? Ham. So in the, uh, in the Hamdan case, Hamdan's one of Bin Laden's associates. You will never have a nominee. Chairman, should I proceed? Yeah. Uh, this is coming out of my time, but that's okay. Let these people have their free speech and interrupt the other 300 million people. Listen, uh, that this is your opportunity to speak to the American people and for them make a judge about it if they want to affect what the other 300 million people uh, hear from you then that's just too bad you proceed now <laughs> Grassley just I mean he's over it by the way these protesters are in because they got tickets from Democratic members of Congress who let them come in so do you know what Chuck Grassley did today this hasn't gotten a lot of attention what Grassley did today is he refused to let any more people in the room. So as the protesters were forced out of the room, they didn't fill their shit. There was a line of people trying to get in who had tickets. And Grassley wouldn't let any more of them come in. It made the Democrats really mad. And he's like, you know what? You guys have hijacked the hearing. We're having none of this. 
So by the end of the day, right now, if you go look, that they've led some more people in. But by about three o'clock this afternoon, the committee room was largely empty because every time a protester protested, Grassley had him arrested and wouldn't let anybody else in. And suddenly the hearing started going according to plan. Look, my apologies to all of you who just gave up on me on the phone. I, I really am sorry. There's just been so much today. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, y- y- <laughs> can, can we just, for, just, just, just pause for a moment and laugh at the conundrum the left is facing right now? Because for the longest time, there has been this left-wing fantasy that they could get Donald Trump with the 25th Amendment. And they knew deep down, they really did know deep down it wasn't true. And now they think they could get the House and they may be able to get enough Republicans in the Senate who are mad at the president to impeach him. And then, you know, that's kind of one of the untold stories here is there are Republicans in the Senate who are livid with the president, livid with him. And they don't come out in public and say it because they're better politicians, but they're livid with the president for a host of things. And it's starting to dawn on the Democrats that if they really got rid of Donald Trump, they'd have Mike Pence, true believer, Christ of fascist, conservative, true believer. And they're starting to be freaked out by that. They're starting to have that meltdown. is not good. Uh, the NBC Marist poll of Indiana has come out. Uh, Joe Donnelly has swung back to 49 against the Republican 43. But on top of that, the president won Indiana by 19 percentage points, and he's now only up by two. And before you call in and yell at me that the pollsters are wrong, the pollsters got 20, 2016 actually right. Uh, Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote. Uh, uh, bad polling. Uh, it can plenty of time for it to rebound, though. Y'all, I, I got a question, and I'm I'm deviating from everything else I wanted to talk about tonight. I even had wanted to talk about College Park rezoning for Marta. Maybe we'll get to it. Sonny Purdue and the farmers. Uh, you know, by the way, Trump says that he endorsed Brian Kemp for Sonny Purdue. Did it as a favor to Sonny Purdue. So there we have it. Now Sonny Purdue, uh, responsible for the Brian Kemp endorsement. Uh, what would the reaction be? Is I'm getting a, a ton of angry phone calls tonight. Um, and honestly, we're not going to put these calls on air because the people are um, so angry. They're probably going to say something on air that we don't need them to say on air. and They don't need to say just just insane and unhinged. And I can tell that this New York Times op-ed is deeply uh, embarrassing to the White House and hurts the White House by this reaction because it always happens. Because I'm I'm not taking a side here. I'm I'm telling you what I'm know. I, I I'm I'm telling you the background. And people are emailing me and calling the program just profanity laced meltdowns over this. And all I'm doing is is I'm telling you what's happening. I'm, I'm not taking a side here. I can tell you though that people in the White House routinely say these sorts of things. But I've got to ask a question. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this the best so that you understand my point. 
since January 20th, 2017, the day the president is sworn in, really before that, but let, let's set that date, January 20th, 2017, the American political press has nonstop fed the flames of the resistance fan fiction. 24-7-365, the press has been nonstop anti-Donald Trump. Every story about the Trump administration has been framed from the standpoint of he's unhinged. Things are melting down. Russia stole the election. This is all terrible. Everything's on fire. Every single story. You know, I, I've got reporters who have gotten mad at me anytime I say anything nice about the president. They call me, well, have you flipped it? Do, do you love the, are you going to vote for the president now? I'm just, I'm trying to call it like I see it. I, I'm a conservative. I, my conservatism hasn't changed regardless of how so many other people's has. Then I'm trying to call the balls and strikes as best I can. And you can feel free to disagree. And we have a phone number here and you can call me. And we can discuss it. But I, I got to wonder. The reaction from a lot of conservatives this afternoon is not to believe this op-ed. Even those who know the editorial standards, they know the editorial standards of the New York Times. The New York Times has on rare occasion, exceedingly rare occasion, allowed an anonymous person to put an op-ed in. And it is exceedingly rare. Maybe it's happened five times in the history of the paper. What would the reaction of conservatives be to this op-ed had the American political press not for 24-7-365 been against the president? Because you got to admit, even those of you who are Democrats should admit that the American political press has been a part of La Résistance since day one. Every story about the White House has taken the angle of these people are terrible. Every single angle, every single story has been negative towards the White House. The, and any of us who dare say anything nice about the president, and I know some of you think I never do because you don't listen, they come after us who, who do say nice things. They, they don't, you got to be in a box. You either got to be totally for Trump or you got to be totally against Trump. Those of us who are in the middle who say, listen, we we got concerns, but we really like these policies. We like Kavanaugh. We, we like the tax cuts. We like the deregulation. They just, just, it, it's a complete meltdown. How many more people would be receptive to listening to something like this, listening to the Bob Woodward book, if... The media wasn't 24-7, 365 against the president. Because, you know, conservatives championed the Bob Woodward book about Obama. There was a lot in there that wasn't flattering. Conservatives championed the Bob Woodward book about Bill Clinton. There was a lot in there not flattering. I, I, I got some some friends of mine who are, who are Clinton administration officials who savaged Bob Woodward and said he was lying, that he made it all up. And admitted later that, no, in fact, they had said those things to Bob Woodward. How many people would be more receptive to hearing something like this? Because it is consistent from people in the White House. It is consistent. It has been consistent that, that this is the reality of what they deal with in the White House. But if the media was more fair, would people be more willing to accept that this really is happening? 
I just, I gotta ask. Just put up a piece at The Atlantic, by the way. This is a constitutional crisis. A cowardly coup from within the administration threatens to inflame the president's paranoia and further endanger American security. And of course, he's got a a total, um, how can I say this? Um, I don't know that I can, but basically it's extended past four hours and he should probably go to the ER um, for the idea of the, of the 25th Amendment. Priapism, that's what it is. I mean, listen, y'all, you're not going to get two-thirds of the Republicans in Congress in the middle of the midterms to vote to throw the president of the United States out of office. It's just not going to happen. It's not. Get over your priapism. Go to the doctor. It's been more than four hours. You should be in agony now. You've had this for so long, taking up space in your pants and elsewhere for this idea of the 25th Amendment. It's not going to happen. And you, you could say it's a constitutional crisis, but how how the hell is this a constitutional crisis? The president is the president of the United States. The vice president is the vice president of the United States. The cabinet is still working. Regulations are being rolled back. Laws are being passed. Judges are being put on the court. All of this stuff, it's a constitutional crisis, is to undermine Brett Kavanaugh's appointment to the Supreme Court and to further undermine the president who's continuing to be president of the United States, whether you like it or not. He's president of the United States. There is no constitutional crisis here. If anything, as these people in the White House noted, it would be a constitutional crisis to invoke the 25th Amendment because you'd have to have the overwhelming majority of the cabinet and the vice president tell Congress the man's unfit for office, the man who millions of people voted for president, he won the majority of the Electoral College, and then to say, hey, I realize that the American public voted for the man and put him in the office according to our Constitution, but we need to ignore the guy. That would be your constitutional crisis. Listen, I realize you may hate the president of the United States. I realize you may loathe everything the man stands for. But the constitutional crisis is not that there are people in the White House trying to restrain him. Every president has people in the White House trying to restrain them. You had people in the White House trying to keep Bill Clinton's pants on, for God's sakes. The constitutional crisis would be trying to throw somebody out of office, duly elected by the American people under the Constitution of the United States. But because you hate Trump, you don't realize it or you don't even want to acknowledge that fact. Let's be honest, y'all. Donald Trump wrote the op-ed in the New York Times. Well, I mean, come on, it, it makes sense. He, he, he wants to fire up his base, who are already convinced that there's a deep state coup underway to put Nancy Pelosi in. And so he gives them what they want and fire up the base and boom, you have a Republican turnout in November. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know who did it. Uh, my money was on Kelly or Pence, but I, I just, all I can tell you is... Whoever did it is going to be rooted out, uh, and it's probably going to be no one any of us really know well. Um, it's not going to be any super major person. It's going to be a very senior person, but it's not going to be like the chief of staff or the vice president or cabinet secretary. I, I Maybe will. We could all be surprised, um, but I, I think the speculation game is, is silly, but I, I do have to tell you. If you take the Woodward book at face value in this, and I know many of you want to dismiss this, but just take it at face value for just a second, for sake of argument, take it at face value. Don't you want these people in the White House? 
if the president is as they say, and you know you can't get uh, two thirds of both houses of Congress under the Twenty Fifth Amendment to go along with it, don't you want these people in the White House steering the president and and taking things off his desk to make sure they they aren't signed? I mean, call this person a coward all you want; they, they don't care. If they're to be believed, the president isn't very stable. He makes rash decisions, and they're there keeping the, the trains running and the lights on time. And The person deserves a medal if that's the case. Deserves a medal. Instead of the invective that they're getting, if it's true. And I do have to tell you, for two years now, these stories have been coming out of the White House from credible people. They're all saying the same thing, which got to make you wonder if it's true or not.